Welcome. This is Jamie. And this is Donna. And this is episode number 27 of the Circle 71 podcast for the week of October 13th, 2020. Coming up on today's show, Donna presents Jamie with a new list of thumbs up, thumbs down. This is the Circa 71 podcast. Special shout out to new listeners, Stephen and Megan. Stephen and Megan are members of Disney's most exclusive club. And no, I'm not talking about Club 33. They are members of Club Bots, standing for Booths of the Stars. During Diet Epcot season, when there are no festivals going on, Stephen and Megan live backstage in the Italy food booth that is used during Epcot festivals. All members of Club Bots are required to maintain and use the cooking equipment in exchange for the experience of food booth living. The Club Bots Village makes its home backstage behind the Italy Pavilion. Some may know that the perimeter road that runs behind Epcot is known as Avenue of the Stars, which is what Club Bots pays tribute to in its name. I'm told the initial membership fee in the Club Bots is $50,000 with a monthly payment of $25,000 or an annual discount that really isn't discounted of $300,000 per year. True story, Donna. You know, Jamie, sometimes these things come out of your mouth and I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of believable. And then we get the bots and just, I got nothing. That's all. All right, Donna, several housekeeping stories this week. First one, Walt Disney World park hours have been extended at Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and Disney's Animal Kingdom through late December. So this is basically starting in more towards the end of October um, with the extended hours, really October 30th, all the way through. I think the last date on this list is through December 19th. Um, And there's really a lot of different pockets, so we're not going to go through each park and all of the different Um, hours, but I did read that basically there has been a combined 180-ish hours that have been added uh, to the calendar throughout, um, as we said, that that up until basically that last week in December. Um, Interestingly enough, no park hour changes for Disney's Hollywood Studios, only Magic, Epcot, and uh, DAC. So, Jamie, I know that it's pure speculation, and we try not to do that too, too terribly much here. We try to stick mostly to facts, but I honest to goodness wonder if the reason for not extending the hours just at Hollywood Studios is solely because they can't put more stress on Rise. It's down enough. If they extended the park hours by even another hour, that could put too much on the ride. Yeah, I could definitely see. Well, I... I, I could see it both ways, specifically with Rise, because they could always cut off the amount of available boarding groups, because there's still only two, um, uh, what do they even call them? The times that you can get a boarding group? Right. Is, I, mean, Distri- I couldn't remember. Distri- Distri- yeah, that's a good yeah. distribution times. Um, so they could always still keep that the same. Uh, it's just... 
I don't know why, because the the part that seemingly needs more hours and more things to do is definitely the studios. So in our experience, even with the reduction back to 7 p.m., because it used to be really nice when it was 8 p.m., but even with the reduction to 7 p.m., if we go over and we get there at like 4 or 4.30-ish, we can still do all of Toy Story Land and Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway before park close, or at least be in line for the final attraction before park close and be okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And it's a shame, too, because Hollywood Studios is probably my favorite park, and I really like that park at night. Yeah. I like seeing a lot of the neon, um, especially going into the Christmas season, because I actually think, I mean... In previous years, obviously, this could be an anomaly, but I actually like Hollywood Studios. I think the decorations, the best, even a little bit above Magic, because it feels like it's a lot more more of the park, I think, um, specifically. Well, your love for Tower of Terror, that's the only time I tolerate doing that ride is at night, because the view that you get for that split second before you're <laughs> in your mouth uh, is a pretty nice view when it's dark. Yeah, so it's kind of a shame there, but, um, you know, more hours in, in the other parks, I, I can't necessarily say would be a, um, you know, a bad thing. And I also like that they've extended it out a little bit longer because for the longest time prior to their announcements about, um, you know, for example, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Candlelight Processional and things like that, they were releasing at snail speed one week at a time, one week at a time. So I like that at least with this release, it was a big chunk of time so that people traveling for most of 2020 now know park hours. Yeah, I agree. And, and seemingly at, at this point, that since they're announced, I don't see them reducing the hours. I could see like they did with this weekend, uh, Columbus Day weekend, you know, doing a last minute extension. But I don't see anything at this point after it's been announced um, being recut, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I think it would be much harder at this point to take away than it would be to add. Right. I agree. All right. The next story is one that. I have to say I'm kind of happy about, and we all know I'm a little bit of a butt and a little bit of a stickler when it comes to the whole, you know, keep your distance, stay on your circle, stay on your line. I'll stay on mine. We keep our space. You wear your mask. We're good. Uh, so let me preface this with, I am very much in favor of wearing your mask, keeping your distance. I think it's what's helping us keep the parks open. So that said, um, Appearing at the parks this weekend was a new sign that has not yet appeared. And that sign says, guests not properly wearing an approved mask will be asked to leave. That is it. It is not, you know, frilly and, you know, what you consider like the Disney-esque, you know, let me phrase this in a really nice way. Let me sugarcoat this. Guests not properly wearing an approved mask will be asked to leave. And it shows like a side silhouette of, um, you know, an outline face and the mask with kind of an arrow pointing up over the nose and a mask with an arrow pointing down over the chin as if to show, okay, the mask has to be covering our mouth and our nose at all times. Uh, so these appeared at the Magic Kingdom theme park. And I will say, James, in the dozens of times now that we've been back since the parks reopened, we've probably only seen maybe half a dozen instance, instances where cast members have had to talk to people about keeping their masks up. And 
for the majority of the time, I would say the family says, oh, yeah, sorry, and puts it up. But there was one family that was fighting tooth and nail. Oh, we're standing off to the side. You know, he's eating. He's going to pass that to me. And they had three cast members, including a coordinator, supervisor of some sort, standing right outside of City Hall and Magic Kingdom, explaining to these folks why they had to put their masks on. It was a shame. Yeah, um, and, and it's kind of interesting. And as you were talking, Donna, I thought about this, and it this may have been planned a little bit more in advance, but you almost wonder if this is a doubling down on the mask policy. Um, and it came out following um, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis's announcement of kind of almost no no restrictions anywhere. Um, obviously. Disney's still private property, but and Orange it's County, almost like a doubling Florida, down. Yes. Say that again. Orange County, Florida is still requiring masks. Right. Orange County still is. And it's kind of interesting that they came out and, and you know, with these announced and like these billboards may have been done ahead of time. And it just happened to come out after that announcement. But as you were talking, I was thinking about that and thought that was interesting. Um as you said, Donna, I'm in full favor of this. I, I think it's 100% what it should be, um, you know, at this point. I, I mean, we've been in this situation since March. It, I go into Walmart, and all I can think of is how do you still not understand how to wear a mask? And You know, it, it drives me crazy. It's also one of those pieces where, to me, if you really, for whatever reason, you feel like you don't want to wear this, you don't need to wear this, then don't come. Don't put yourself in a position where you would need to, to have a cast member, you know, have this kind of conversation with you. Don't put it on me. I know I shared with you, Jamie, uh, off podcast that for the first time since the parks reopened, I actually had to say something to a family. It, it wasn't a family. It was three probably young 20s that were behind Andrew, Anthony and I, and they were up our behinds. And I turned mm-hmm. and said, excuse me, would you mind? We're trying to teach our son to make sure that he's standing on his line and it's hard if other people aren't on theirs. And I kind of put it like that. And to their credit, they stayed back. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a shame that it has to go to that sort of a level because, you know, I mean, now Disney is is literal diagrams (laughs) showing where the mask should be. I don't know at this point what they could do as a next step. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, Disney can throw you off property and trespass you for any reason. And I, I would, if somebody has that issue again with the cast member, I would love to see them, you know, ejected from the park. Yeah. And this was a big group, the family that was fighting with the, the three cast members that one day, it was a big group, probably 15 people in the family. And none of them, they mm-hmm. all had the mask. It was just like, come on, people. Like, you're not all eating right now. And you're literally standing in front of a really busy building. Like, have a little bit of respect. I agree. So that was that story. I think it's great that they are, as you said, sticking to, you know, their their uh, guns on this. And, you know, hopefully they will continue to until there's a vaccine that's keeping us all healthy. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, So next up in housekeeping, we have a resort reopening this week. October 14th, Disney's Coronado Springs Resort will reopen. Um, Some of the restaurants that are reopening include the Barcelona Lounge, the Dahlia, I think is how it said, Lounge, Rick's Sports Bar and Grill, Siesta's Cantina, and the Three Bridges uh, Bar and Grill, as well as the um, gift shop is opening 
at Coronado and bus transportation will also be available from uh, Coronado Springs to the Disney theme parks, as well as um, the Disney Springs area. One thing of interest that I, I didn't see, Donna, is does this also include Grand Destino Tower? I think it has to. And you know what, Jamie? Okay. I had clients who were initially scheduled for Riverside that got the complimentary upgrade, and that's for later this month. Okay, because the one thing why I asked that is because I saw uh, missing from the reopening list is um, Toledo at the top of Grand Destino Tower. And I thought that'd be something that they would definitely want to reopen. I think it's probably due to size. I've not been there, but from pictures that I saw, it's not super big. So I almost wonder if it would be like a situation where reopening it wouldn't necessarily be profitable because of having to to limit so much the amount of people there to still have to have you know the the, the cooking staff there the serving staff there things like that right that would make sense and that would also because rick's is is that um was that changed uh the that was the old no that's a lounge because none of these are actually considered table service that's correct and you know what the other piece is a big draw to that restaurant was the idea of being able to see fireworks yeah that's true yeah casual three bridges is basically considered a lounge yeah that's interesting so there's no um uh advanced dining reservation available um at Coronado. correct and this is the first hotel reopening in a little while at this point right grand was the last back in early september yeah, it's been a little while. I'll check um, uh, while we go on our next story and kind of see what's um, upcoming next because there were a lot of um, changes. But why don't you go ahead and check out the um, next housekeeper Perfect. story. So the next story is not a huge one as far as you know length goes, but it's still important to mention. We talked last week quite a bit about the 28,000 cast members laid off at the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, it looks like 560 of those cast members were part of baggage airline guest services. So that would include the valet service, luggage service, and Disney's Magical Express. So in case we hadn't um, made this clear previously or uh, you've forgotten, um, the new, the current Disney's Magical Express service does not include the amazing, you know, you check your bags in Philadelphia International, land in Orlando, go straight to the bus, get on the bus, go to the hotel, and your bags magically appear in your room. That's not the case anymore. Right now you have to go get your luggage and you have to get that off the, the carousel and you have to bring that with you and with your kids and your strollers and everything else to the Magic Express, get on the bus and then deal with your luggage yourself on the other side of the hotel. So you can currently, if you have an earlier flight, still give your bags to the valets to hold or to bell services, I guess I should say, to hold, but it's not that you know seamless process that it once was. And these, these now permanent layoffs, because um, I guess they said before it was just temporary and now it's a permanent situation, um, make me think that that's probably, at least for the foreseeable future, a thing of the past. Yeah, I agree, um, which is a, a shame because that was and is probably one of my favorite features of Magical Express. Um, I mean, the bus, you can kind of take it or leave it. It's it's nice complimentary transportation, um, but sometimes you can be standing in that line for a while. But that that 
not to sound uh redundant but that is like the magical <laughs> part of magical express checking your bags in you know in philly or, or wherever you're traveling from and then you don't see them again into your hotel room um and also on the flip side of that coming home being able to check your luggage at your um resort and then you see them at your home airport um is something that's really cool as well and i i hope that at some point um, those features come back because I actually think that's a major um, perk, you know, of doing Magical Express. Um, you know, I know I know you can you don't have to do it Magical Express on the way home to check your luggage, but um, I definitely think it's uh, a, a feature that's that's. Warranted. And this will be your first trip it. with both kids without that luggage service, so this is going to be a bigger juggling act for you guys too. Yeah, yeah, our trip upcoming, um, you know, post Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a a tougher challenge, you know, with with the, that luggage. But you know, what are you going to do? Unfortunately, that feature is not there, and I, I think that puts a lot of people. Um, you know, obviously, Walt Disney World's a big family tourist destination. That you know, you're going to have people in that situation that are now schlepping luggage all over the place. So. We'll definitely uh, see. I guess you won't be bringing out. the old uh, irons down to play with Andrew, will you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Southwest does uh, allow two bags for free, but uh, unfortunately, we may have to limit the, the Jamie number of The Jamie Sherpa said burp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Donna, just to, to go back to the uh, Coronado Springs, I was able, I had to do a little bit of digging. It took longer than expected. The next resort reopening. Trivia question. What do you think it is? Uh, it's not. Well, you know what? It could be. I was going to say it's not Polynesian, but we have an opening date for Polynesian next summer. So it very well could be because most of the others, like I'm purposely not looking at you because I don't want to see if you're nodding or shaking your head one way or the other. So I don't <laughs> believe the All-Stars have reopening. I don't believe either uh, Port Orleans have reopenings. I don't believe that we have a reopening for Animal Kingdom or ooh, is it yacht? Shoot, I still I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my initial thought and say Polly is the next one we have a solid date for. It is not. Is Polly. it yacht? It is not because I actually think that might be open. Um, it is AOA. See, I. I didn't realize that had not reopened already because I have other guests who were in a family suite at All Star and they got moved over to a family suite at AOA for December. I didn't realize they hadn't reopened yet. November. Okay. Yeah. Yes, they're coming. Um, And actually, with the others, um, the only other one that is announced at this point, and it doesn't even have a date as a time period, is Polly Village. Um, But still, nothing for. Beach Club. Oh, it's Beach. Um, Yachts reopened. Okay, I had it beach. reversed. Yeah. Beach Club and Boardwalk, which actually did have um, previous dates right. announced and then was uh, retracted. I'm a little so, nervous hearing you say that AOA hasn't been open because I have seen some crazy waits at the Pop Skyliner station. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And I have lots of folks staying yeah. at Pop as I know you do too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Pop's a great resort. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not trying to say. I I just. I think it's interesting that because they had to move any guests who were at All Star over to Pop Century and accommodate them there, 
that resort's pretty darn full, which means the Skyliner station's had some stress. And now that you're telling me that AOA is not open, that makes me a little bit nervous. And what's the open date until we November first? November first. Yeah, and you look at uh, Caribbean Beach, which which had has just recently reopened. I mean, that's also putting stress on the the main artery of the line. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think the next story is a fun one. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and on a good note, um, signage has been posted outside of Remy's Ratatouille Adventure for three different uh, lines for the um, queue space for FastPass Plus, which we should make a point to say, this does not mean that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure (laughs) is going to signify the reopening um, or the, uh, you know, the coming back of FastPass Plus. This was under construction um, way before uh, the COVID-19 situation. But FastPass Plus single riders and standby and disney is not known for uh its single riders line but it should be note that noted that in the walt disney studios park at disneyland paris resort um this attraction which is a clone um does have a single riders line as well and apparently does work very well and this was really cool news to me because the the pondering the pea brains segment that we did um probably about a month ago now that was something that that i had you know spewed that i was curious as to whether single rider lines would ever come back if if those would ever come back into use you know post covid 19 era just in general and we had kind of toyed with you know the the could be yes the could be no so the fact that they have that signage there you know again it was definitely under construction well before and they definitely would have had the the physical space physical line you know in but the fact that they put up the sign makes me think that at some point in the future it will return which is pretty cool yeah just hope hopefully it does not go the way of the single rider line for flight of passage (laughs) which literally never correct (laughs) so but yeah, no, I think that's all good. Definitely showing some significant progress on that France France expansion area with Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, the crepery table service and quick service restaurant, and of course, some extra beds. <laughs> Your favorite thing, James. I'm so glad that we uh, got to mention that here. Exactly. So no opening date uh, announced for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure or the expansion of the France Pavilion yet but definitely something to um, look forward to. So with that, let's take a quick break and we will be back with some thumbs up. Thank you, Aiden. And for our main segment for the week, thumbs up, thumbs down, Donna version this time. So let's see what you got, Donna. So I have to start out by saying that this episode will air on my mom's birthday. Anthony and my mom are exactly a week apart. So I actually approached her and I said, um, you know, hey, mom, we're doing thumbs up, thumbs down this week. Do you have any ideas? So the first couple actually come directly from my mom, her little birthday nod and birthday celebration. Uh, The first, let's see, four pieces come directly from her. You ready? All right. And happy birthday. (laughs) So my mother wants to know, thumbs up, thumbs down. The existence of the TTC. Okay. I'm going to say thumbs up. 
Now, let me explain. It can be a pain to park there and, and get to the Magic Kingdom and, and you know the monorail can be down and all things like that. But without the TTC, you don't have the look of Seven Seas Lagoon. And I think that's the major thumbs up where, you know, if you're looking at Disneyland, where before DCA was built, it was a parking lot that doesn't have the aesthetics of um, Seven Seas Lagoon. I I think California Grill. Yes. you, You know, you can see into the Magic Kingdom. Would that be as beautiful a view? Um, if it wasn't for Seven Seas Lagoon and if it was just a giant parking lot that you're looking at, I would think not. So the existence of it for me would be a thumbs up. Okay. My um, parents actually have a pretty funny story. And since you shared the one about your mom on Buzz, I think it's only fair that I share this one about my folks. When they came down, um, gosh I guess it was a couple year wedding anniversary they came down and it was just Magic Kingdom and Epcot and um, my mom had been to Magic Kingdom before so um, they went there the first day they went to to Magic Kingdom so they parked at TTC and they took the monorail over and they did Magic Kingdom and the next day they were going to go to Epcot so they drove to Epcot they parked in the Epcot parking lot and then got on the monorail (laughs) (laughs) because Having done that the two other times that my mom had been, you know, you park at TTC, you get in the monorail, you go to Magic Kingdom. They parked at Epcot, got in the monorail, got to the TTC and said, what the heck? I got back on the monorail back to Epcot. Oh, that's funny. And the, wor- the worst part is you're actually taking the monorail into the park. Right. And then turning around and going the other way. Right. Oh, that's hysterical. So, um... I mean, in general, I agree with everything you said as far as, you know, it's it's always so exciting. You know, you park the TC, okay, we're going, we're going, we're going. It is so beautiful. If you were just walking in from a parking lot, I do think it's a little bit more anticlimactic, like, oh my gosh, there's Cinderella Castle and, you know, it's just right there. Um, but it is a huge pain in the tail. I mean, it's so nice, you know, even when my parents would have a car when we were staying off property, Andrew and I would typically jump the bus when we were going to MK because we wanted to get there earlier. Um, so that that does make a big difference time-wise. But in general, I do agree with you. I do give that one a thumbs up as well. Okay, yeah. And there, I had heard actually a rumor, and it, it really hasn't been talked about in a really long time, so I don't know if it's happening, but almost like a TTC um skyliner system where the gondolas are holding like 30 people in one um you know in one uh, cabin if you will um so significantly larger but i at this point don't necessarily see that being built um but i thought that was an interesting rumor and i think also part of the disdain of ttc is the unreliability of the monorails and i i think if they um you know, get the new next gen monorails actually finally on the lines. Um, I think that may change some of the people, some people's attitudes about it. Sure. The next one, when she said it, I was double over laughing. So I hope that you okay. enjoyed it as much as she did. Thumbs up, thumbs down, setting a speed limit on ECV rentals. <laughs> 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 All I could think of is, is, 
who's the cast member in charge of handing out tickets for people that are speeding? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be a... Th- <laughs> That's so funny. Um, she gets legitimately so mad when people who like rent these ECVs put it on like the rabbit mode and then have the audacity to like honk their stupid little horn at people or ring the stupid little bell like get out of my way like how about you go to the same speed as people walking and it won't be an issue you know what else as not necessarily a um a counterpoint but almost like a complimentary type point the people that also go way too slow in those things yeah and up traffic i think those are equally um as bad we should actually do a show on like bad etiquette that people do <laughs> that'd be fun i'm in <laughs> uh, yeah i'm gonna write that down in our in our list and maybe do that over the next couple of weeks um we should do it in april for april fools <laughs> new park rules that came out i like it um yeah that would be a i would agree that would be a thumbs up i mean people are just just so bad in the, in those things that it it can be dangerous, especially like you said, the people that are going on rabbit and, and the people that are holding up traffic because they're, you know, stopping every three feet. And, you know, it can it can be bad either way. You you know, just like you would in a car. Keep up with the flow of traffic. Yeah. The next one, I don't honestly see a way around like a workaround for this one, but it's still a really interesting point. This actually, this restaurant was a restaurant that we ate at for the first time with you guys, Trails End. Okay. Um, and my mom really enjoyed it. We ate there with my parents once after we ate there with you guys, but it's a pain in the tail to get to. So my mom, um, for this thumbs up, thumbs down, said the um, having to take the interior bus loop to get to Trails End. If you're staying at Fort Wilderness, you mean? Correct. Or for us, like driving. Right. Um, I, uh, I, I understand the point. I'm going to go back to kind of what I said about the TTC in that wood trails end and that theming look as good if you had 5,000 parking spaces there because of how much is back there for folks who have not been it's where the hoopty doo musical review sits trails end is there there's a really good quick service location there where you can order some food that's essentially on the buffet at trails end and take that away with you there's a really great kids parking or excuse me play parking area yeah really good kids uh, playground area that's where you can get a horse-drawn carriage ride there's a lot of really cool stuff back there is that um, the takeout? Is that PJ's? I think that's what it's called. The Southern Takeout, something like that? Yeah. Okay, because that's on um, uh, mobile order now. I saw oh, that recently. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in order to get back there, you literally have to either have a golf cart, which in fairness, a lot of folks who stay there at the campgrounds do rent golf carts or have golf carts that they bring with them. So in fairness, that's one way to get back there. Or you have to take this obnoxious interior bus loop bus. And it was a pain in the tail for us to drive our car, park our car at the main area, hop onto this little bus loop bus to the extent that, you know, I'm not sure. And currently it's not open. So it's, it's a, a non-issue at this instant. But I'm not sure that we'll go back unless we're doing like a full Magic Kingdom day. And to your point, Jamie, take the boat from Magic Kingdom over. Because at least the boat's like a fun way to get there. Yeah. And the boat, I, I think... I mean, we were there in plenty of time. We weren't going to be late for our reservation. Um, 
we all, we're also having a, a, a milk crisis, if you will. I remember with, with my son. had to go to Starbucks. Yeah, had to go to Starbucks. Um, my, I think we've talked about it on the show before. My son has, has food allergies and he's currently allergic to milk and peanuts. Um, so he can only have like soy milk. Soy milk is really the best for him. But um, we didn't know if it was going to be available to him at, at Trails End. So uh, my sister had to stay, you know, she offered to stay back. Um, and wait in the, in the line at Starbucks. Um, but so we weren't late getting there, um, but it wasn't the smoothest. And it actually was a much longer boat ride than I, I had um, anticipated because I had never eat, eaten at Trails End before. And I'm like, man, what, is this is this boat taking us to Mexico? Like, <laughs> where are we going here? You know, this is taking a while. Um, so it is something that I think um, you know, people should definitely plan for. Um, oh man, I'm going to stick with my thumbs up though, for the theming of the resort, even though I think it's a bigger pain, um, for the internal bus loop than the TTC. I will disagree with you here and say thumbs down simply because I really think that if they made it more accessible, more people would go. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with that. I, I'm trying to think of some other solution, like if they had like a five-row passenger golf cart that they could just transfer people back and forth from. I mean, I don't know if they would want to do that with strollers and every other issue that you can have. But no, I, I definitely, your point is is absolutely well taken, though. And then the last one and that my mom uh, would like your thoughts on for thumbs up, thumbs down. The cleanliness of the theme parks. I'm going to still say thumbs up. Um, because, I, I mean, compared to any other amusement park, Disney, Disney World cleanliness blows it out of the water. Um, do I think it has taken a somewhat lesser turn over the last five ten years or so i do um not enough in my opinion to give it a thumbs down um if you're a little more specific and saying like trash cans during food and wine <laughs> that would probably be a thumbs down um but if we're taking a vast um look at the entire resort i'm still gonna say thumbs up absolutely um i actually think that disney has gone above and beyond what they truly need to do during these covid 19 times routinely throughout the day whether we're at the park all day or just for a few hours you will see cast members coming out with giant spray bottles and rags and wiping um you know high surface areas you'll see cast members emptying garbage cans before they're full um but even in general pre pre-covid 19 I just think they do a fantastic job. You hardly ever see trash. I love that you see the supervisors who are wearing, I say, plain clothes as opposed to like a, a cast member's uniform. Mm -hmm. I love that they walk around with like the trash claws and they pick things up. I think they do a phenomenal job. No, I totally agree with that. And I, I wasn't, I hadn't even thought of it in a, in a COVID um, type of situation. I, you know, talking as if that doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, the, the, the leads or the coordinators or whoever's walking around with the, the claws, um, it's little things like that, that I think make, you know, Disney so much, um, 
better on a whole other level than a, you know, a Six Flags or, or you know, your standard run of the mill um, amusement park. So, no, I, I, you know, there have been cleanliness issues, um, but on the whole, I would say thumbs up still. Yeah, for sure. Next one, and this I think is going to be interesting because you're going to see this from a lens of you and Val and also a lens of your parents and that there'll be, this will be very different uh, lenses here. Okay. Alcoholic drinks being included with the Disney dining plans. I am overly positive. <laughs> um, it's a thumbs up for me. I, I and I actually, it, this is a good discussion. I, I'm glad you brought this one up. I know a lot of people... Um, I, I read a lot, um, would post and say, oh, I don't drink. So I shouldn't have to pay for something. First of all, when alcohol was introduced to the, to the dining plan, it was a standard run-of-the-mill price increase. No significant difference from the year before. So you're not paying any extra than you would have. And I make the other counterpoint of, Somebody could say, well, I really don't drink soda or tea. I only drink water, so I shouldn't have to pay for soda. It's all inclusive. Okay? You, know, you can't go to Sandals <laughs> and say, you know, I really don't want the fish, so can I have pay less? It doesn't work like that. If you don't like that, don't buy the dining plan. This is an inclusive um, option. Um, I, I have no issues with it. I think uh, a lot of people had issues necessarily with uh, alcohol being served in the magic kingdom i think it's still done responsibly there where it's only table service restaurants you're not seeing a beer cart out in front of peter pan's flight okay um (laughs) although you could come up with some creative names i'm sure (laughs) um so i have no issues with it um you know i i just you know, like I said, it's it's not you're not able to go and, and get a, just a beer at any bar. It is, you know, as part of your meal with your quick service or your table service credit. Um, so thumbs up. I, I have no issues with it. It wasn't a significant price increase um, that you wouldn't have seen anyways. So I, I think they just included it. Um you know as was as is yeah this one's definitely an interesting one for me simply because um neither my parents nor andrew i are really big drinkers we will have like a drink or like if we're hanging out with friends you know we have no problem with drinking it's not like we you know oh we don't drink or or anything like that um but it's definitely not something in general we would not sit down to a meal at disney and order an alcoholic beverage because we could get it for you know one tenth the price at home So that becomes an interesting thing. But with the Disney dining plan, I think that your point is very valid. It did not jump hugely in price from the year that it did not include alcohol to the year that it did. And for us, you know, or for me, at least, I guess I shouldn't speak for the rest of my family. I will order, you know, at Be Your Guest for lunch, again, pre-COVID when it was a quick service lunch, I will order a peach bellini and, you know, have that nice little sparkly, sparkly drink and then have some water, you know, as my drink instead of having a soda. Um, so it's definitely not anything that I think is, is a huge issue. I don't think people are getting sloshed because of their two alcoholic drinks that they get a day on the dining plan. Um, anyone who wants to try 
to draw that connection. I think they're a little out of line there. Um, but I could definitely see that going both ways because there definitely are people who just for whatever reason don't drink, whether it's a personal choice or a religious choice, whatever the case may be. I could see them maybe not understanding that they weren't paying for, you know, this, this is a premium, but they were still getting a good value type thing. Yeah. And, you know, if you really want to get good value out of that dining plan, that drink does sure. make a significant difference. You'll definitely, um, I shouldn't say definitely, you will 90% of the time come out ahead if you're comparing, you know, monies and, and things like that. Um, but I also really like the um, flexibility and freedom. I'm a huge dining plan fan in general, but comparing like your situation where you're going to the park, not necessarily on the dining plan versus a lot of times where I am, I would be way more likely, you know what, it's included. I'm going to try the sangria at Satuli Canteen, whereas you probably wouldn't which I highly recommend. I love the sangria there. A lot of their sangria options are actually quite good. And like you, Donna, I'm not really a huge drinker, but you know, with, with the dining plan, I don't have any um, issues ordering that drink. I think it was a, a, um, an option that I liked um, having included. I truly believe that it helped them sell more dining plans at the, the time that they made that change. Uh, I think that that was a, a big selling point. And I'm definitely curious, as you and I have talked about off podcast, I'm definitely curious about how pricing of a lot of the stuff is going to look when, um, when it comes back. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, 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 I don't think there's any way it doesn't come back. I think it's the, second most popular add-on behind the park hopper um i, I think most people th that certainly i've booked or and and you know most people do end up getting the dining mm -hmm. plan um so I, i'm a huge fan of it and i'm sure we'll do a show you know when if when it does come back just on the dining plan because we could talk about that forever. oh yeah easily and it is interesting to note and this is the last thing i'll say before i move on to the next one uh it's interesting to note that right now we can book for 2021 we can book the park hopper ticket but we cannot yet book the dining plans correct all right next thumbs up thumbs down epcot festival lengths and frequency oh man <laughs> i hate being overly positive i i want something i I like the festivals. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, I really like all of them. I think I probably like Flower and Garden the best. Um, I have no issues with them because they actually, I, I think, bring a lot to Epcot. Um, I made the, the joke in new listeners about Diet Epcot when, when there's no festival going on, which seemingly is only the, the summer months. Um, during a normal year but I think they're great I think it's it adds a different energy to the park um, it's it fits thematically in that we're celebrating you know different cultures and different foods where you don't necessarily have to build a you know multi-million dollar hundred million dollar pavilion expansion where we can get a bunch of different um, food booths in there that you know, people pay $300,000 a year to live in, evidently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, 
I have no issues with them. I, I keep always, it's like every other, or every couple of weeks, I always think, what could they do in the <laughs> summer? Like, what would be the fifth festival? Um, but I enjoy them. I think, like I said, Flower and Garden, my favorite. I like Festival of the Holidays. Um, and then probably followed by Food and Wine and then uh, Festival of the Arts. But I really like Festival of the Arts because I thought they added a lot of cool things. Um, and it was very creative. As I like to do, I will play devil's advocate and and say that I agree. First of all, I agree with everything you said. And I love Festival of the Arts. I think it's so cool. I love the stage shows that they bring in and have these Broadway performers come in and sing. Really, really, really neat. In general, I love the concerts that they do for Eat to the Beat and Flower. What do they call that? Flower Power? Flower or something? No, they, it used to be that. It's uh, Garden Thank Rocks. Thank you, Garden Rocks. So I really like those in general. Um, I obviously love Candlelight Processional. We talk a lot about you know my love for that and how sad I am that that's not happening this year. While I understand it, it doesn't make me sad. But... And here's the but. I feel mm-hmm. like in order to make them special, they should be shorter. And I'm not talking like two weeks long because I want a lot of people to be able to experience it. I would like to be able to experience them multiple times. But like a hundred and some days for Food and Wine Festival, come on now. Because then it doesn't become a festival. It becomes like fall at Epcot. You know what I mean? <sighs> your points it's well taken the only i guess counterpoint to that would be does it change the value or specialness of mickey's not so scary halloween party you know when it runs you know mid-august yes because they close the parks early for everybody else that many more times well, we're not talking about that. We were talking about the Halloween party itself, though. I mean, I could argue that it's not as special to celebrate Halloween in August as it is to celebrate in September, late September or October. I, I think I don't know if they could do it differently, though, where just because of the nature of who's going to Walt Disney World, if it's if it's Disneyland, it doesn't need to be 90 days. It doesn't need to be 100 days where 80 percent of their uh, market is is locals whereas world you know people already complain about crowds if if you shortened food and wine to 50 days i think if people really want to go there it's just going to make availability even more um of an issue all right fair so that that's where i and, but your point is well taken when it gets into the 100 days or whatever that's where I, I would almost rather them see come up with something else for so that they're literally months. always doing something. Um, yeah, uh, or you could leave it open or have a one week gap. You know, I think they have like the one week gap in between um, Festival of the Arts and, and uh, Flower and Garden. Um, you know, they could leave it open. I, you know, I don't think it really. It, it almost doesn't, like you said, it, it's a weird kind of dynamic during the summer months where it's, oh, there's nothing going on. It's just right. Epcot, you know, and, and Epcot's awesome in and of itself. But, you know, that having that extra special, like you said, that festival going on, I think, I don't think it detracts. I think it adds. Personal. All right. Fair enough. Next one. Dining at 60 days instead of 180. Major thumbs down. 
I why I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um. Well, you. I love it as a travel agent, uh, Jamie. Because then, by the time we're booking their dining, like they, we know the park hours for sure. We know they're coming at that point, or at least it's much more likely. I can't tell you the number of times in my almost ten years selling travel that I've booked dining for people and then have them go, mm, "Just kidding, we're changing our dates eighteen times, or we're canceling." Uh, I know yeah, that's selfish. That's I know that that's selfish little... to say, but it's true. No, that, that's I mean, your point's well taken. I. I... Maybe I was a little quick to answer. My, I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm always the big planner. I like personally doing that. It's, it's why I like the, the travel agent side of things. I, I never had issues with, okay, 180 days was dining and then 60 days was fast pass. So I guess my, you know, I may be skewed a little bit with the lack of fast pass at this point. Um I don't know. I, I never really had an issue with the, the planning six months in advance for the dining that people complain about. I also love um, that it allows people to book a more last minute vacation and still have an opportunity to get good dining. My, if I could play devil's advocate, as you said, counterpoint to that would be then the people who had booked for a year out are still at the same mercy as the, the, the people who decided last Yeah, minute. but they probably got better pricing if they booked a year out, and they definitely got the hotel and the view that they wanted if they booked a year out. I would give it to you on the room and the view, not necessarily the pricing, because discounts are usually only coming out three or four no, months. No, I meant more so if, ticket, if a ticket increase had happened. Oh, oh, tickets. Okay. No, no, no. That that point would be well taken. No. I yeah, agree. I mean, honestly, it doesn't, it really, honest to goodness, does not bother me that much, the 60 versus 180. Yeah. I don't know. I, I look, I like something to look forward. I think that's it. Like, uh, right now, I, I have trips booked for the at the end of November beginning of March and the uh, middle of next August. And I feel like, I don't know, I, I have so far away for dining that, you know, it's not as exciting to me, I, I guess. It, it's like a weird thing. Like, you know, if I looked at August, okay, in February, I can book for, you know, the dining for August. I think that's more exciting, something to look forward to. It's, it's almost too close to the trip. I guess would be kind of my reason why I gave the immediate thumbs down. I'd like it, you know, if, if 180 was too much, maybe 120 as more of a happy and medium. if Fast Pass comes um, back, I do not want them to be the same day. That would be a nightmare. Yeah, that would be that would be terrible. I, I guess I really never understood why it had to be 180 because that does seem significant. I, I don't think anybody would I mean, people would still complain. <laughs> I take that back. But I think if it was 120, I I don't have any more significant issues okay. with that. All right. So mostly thumbs down, but like half. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, the value of the value resorts. <laughs> uh, we're talking all of the values yes. collectively or can you I have to put them all collectively neener 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 i'm gonna 
would say thumbs up. I, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people can rag on All-Stars. Um, the only thing I really dislike about All-Stars is when they all share the same bus. I think that's a huge um, negative on the All-Star resorts. Um, and, and quite frankly, the only one. Um, you can make a case for food and, and things like that. Um, but I think the biggest con for me is when they share buses. Um, that's why I, I usually recommend to people try, yeah. try and get into sports because it's always first on the loop, um, even though it's the oldest. Um, but I, I might, I, I always joke my home resort was Pop Century. I love Pop Century. I think it's an awesome resort. I love the theming. I was always sad that they never got to do the legendary years because i always mix them up yes i think it was the legendary years was going to be like the 1900s 10s 20s um 30s up until 40s um has the skyliner awesome um you know so i i love pop century and it's sometimes usually you can get it for not that much more money than the all-stars although with the skyliner we've seen that changing a little bit um aoa i think has one of the top food courts on property um love landscape of flavors uh i think it's a beautiful area i think it's all well themed um i also really like the um other than the standard rooms at little mermaid the suites have the interior hallways i think that's a a major positive um for aoa um, I thought the suites were okay, not um, what I was expecting. I guess I was expecting it to be a lot bigger and better. Um, but I would say that all in all, it's clean. Uh, all in all, it's clean. It's a bed and a shower. And if you're going to be in the parks from rope drop to park close, that's all you really need. My biggest piece is the value that you get for staying on property. All of the things that you can do, you know, pre COVID you were able to get uh, the dining plan. You were able to do package delivery service. You were able to get the, the magic express with the luggage service and, and the whole nine yards. There's just so many reasons to stay on property that whenever folks have come to me and say, hey, I'm really thinking about staying off property, what do you think? It got to the point that I would say to them like, hey, please understand, I can book for you either way. I can book you off property and then we can buy your tickets. But honest to goodness, I think you're penny wise, dollar foolish making that decision. Extra magic hours. I mean, there's just so many benefits of staying on property that I think that makes it a big value. I understand that when we're talking about, you know, dollar signs and saying, okay, you know, even the least expensive times of the year now, we're still looking at about 150 bucks a night. That can hurt when someone says like, oh man, like you're telling me value resort, like how is, how is that a value? But again, it's Disney level of service, Disney level of clean, the refurbishment that they've done um, pre, I will tell you, Jamin, I know you and I have talked about this before off podcast, pre refurbishment of everything like the room gutting at pop which is now happening the all-stars pre that pre skyliner i actually liked the all-star resorts more because they were smaller so pop century for folks who have not say there is 
massive. It's just a sprawling resort. It's very, very big. Whereas the all-star properties, even if you were in, you know, home run hotel, you were still two minute walk away from the main building. Okay. I see what you're, I thought you were talking about the actual no, like side, the yes, actual no, resort. Absolutely. So because of that, I actually gave, always gave the nod to the all-stars. But once they did that refurbishment, I mean, those rooms were stunning. In my opinion, when I mm-hmm. got to see, because I did a, a site inspection um, right as they were doing that refurbishment at Pop, and we saw a refurbishment at Pop, and then they took us over to a uh, Little Mermaid standard room at, at AOA, and it was striking. It looked like a Motel 6 against what we had just seen at Pop. You know, the double bed, the small double bed. Right. Uh, I say dingy carpet because it wasn't like the brand spanking new wood floors. Like, it just... It didn't look like it was up to par. So that's when I really started putting people in Pop Century. Hey, listen, this is worth the additional money, the, the setup, the everything. And with Skyliner, I really, really very much feel that way. But once all the officers get that re-gutting process, I guarantee they are going to be nicer than the local, you know, Holiday Inn, Motel 6, Red Roof Inn that you could get, you know, on iDrive. Definitely 100%. I would bet my bottom dollar nicer. And, and one last point that, you know, we haven't mentioned yet, surprisingly enough, in the Fast Pass era, doesn't matter whether you're staying at All-Star Music or you're staying at the Grand Floridian, at 60 days, you can book your entire, you know, three Fast Pass Pluses per day. Um, you know, you still have the same privileges, whether you're staying at, like I said, Music or Yeah, the Grand. really, really good point. All right, two more. You ready? Let's bring it. Disney Springs. I'm going to say thumbs down. It's a nice area, but for somebody who is going on their once, even if it's a once a year trip, I, I, I never like the, the philosophy of, Oh, I don't need another park day. I'll just go, you know, I'll go to the pool and do three quarters a day at Disney Springs. <laughs> Why? Now, Disney Springs is nice for what it is. Um, me personally, I think there's so many other things to do on property as opposed to eat and shop. Now, they have some awesome restaurants. I understand that. But is it really significantly better than a shopping mall? Eh, I don't personally think so. You know, if you're there for a nice dinner, maybe so. But if you're talking taking away a park day ticket to go to Disney Springs, I don't see the value there. Or if you're saying, eh, maybe not a park day, but... Would I would me personally rather go to a water park than a day at Disney Springs? Yes, and that's just my personal taste that I, I can't go shop to shop and and you know I can all, as much as I love Under Armour I can only spend so much time there. Like I I like to see what I want to buy within ten minutes and then I'm out the door. So for me personally, I, I couldn't spend that much time at Disney Springs. So Jamie got an early birthday wish. He couldn't hear me when I was speaking. (laughs) 
you're welcome. Birthday, Christmas, whatever. <laughs> that would I guess it would be seeing as your birthday's not until April. I guess that would have been a very early birthday present. But in any case, um, we are back after that little technical glitch. Disney Springs. I I think for what it is, it's really nice. It's a really nice, you know, shopping and entertainment district. I totally agree with what you said, Jane, when, when guests say to me, you know, oh, we only need a, let's say a six day ticket. We don't want a seven day ticket. We're going to spend a day at Disney Springs. It pains me because to add that seventh day is like $12 a person. And I'm like, dude, even if you only go, you know, again, back pre COVID, even if you only go over and do three fast passes and then you go over to Disney Springs, like my gosh, come on. It's so totally worth it. Um, but it, it's got some really cool stuff. What, what I will always call characters in flight as opposed to arrow fuel balloon. <laughs> That's really cool. Splitsville is a really neat experience. The movie theater there, the fork and screen uh, side is, is a, a favorite for us, you know, even being locals. They have some great restaurants. Of course, Vivali Gelato, we know I love. So for what it is, it's wonderful. It's just so tough to swallow that Disney's dedicated such a big footprint of land to shopping dining district as opposed to what you know I'd like to see, which is a fifth gate. Yeah, and I agree. I, I That's my issue with it, you know, from somebody, you know, for to take away a park day or, you know, go to either or both of the water parks, I, I think are phenomenal. Um, to, to for the Disney Springs, it just doesn't appeal to me personally as as it may other people. So for me, I like what you said. For what it is, it's good. But if I have to do thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, either or, it's ultimately going to be a thumbs down. All right. Ready for number 10? I am. Sponsorship of attractions. This is a good one. I can see the wheels turning. Because I'm trying to think of some of them. I, I oh, If it... No, I'm, I'm not going to have an issue with it, I, I don't think. I think I'm actually going to give it a thumbs up. First of all, OtterBox sponsoring the Otter exhibit at Animal Kingdom may be the best sponsorship in the world <laughs> ever. Like in the history of the world. Um... <laughs> So, but if it, if it helps to get an attraction built or um, in the case of Epcot Center, where each of the pavilions were sponsored um, and funded and it got that pavilion built, I don't necessarily have an issue with that. Um, the, the TTA being sponsored by Alamo, that's kind of just funny. Um, but like, even you going back to like a spaceship earth being sponsored by AT&T or a Siemens or a communication type company that where it fits, I don't necessarily have any sort of issue with it. Um, a crush and gusher being sponsored by Chiquita is always a bit of a head scratcher. Um, I, I think, you know, to a certain extent, Toy Story Land being or parts of it being sponsored by baby bell cheese that's a bit odd but you get cool <laughs> looking seating um so it, it doesn't necessarily bother me i, I guess I, wishes being sponsored by pandora was a bit odd um but if it's going to improve the overall park experience and and 
attractions are going to be funded. And, you know, in the case of Epcot Center, where they had contracts to revamp the ride every 10 years and put money into it, I'd be more okay with that happening. I think if Tesla sponsored um, the Tomorrowland Speedway and changed them to electric cars, I would actually ride the thing. (laughs) Um, So I think certain things make sense. Personally, I would have liked to see if they kept interventions around some sort of um, sponsorship or partnership with Apple, um, I thought would have been a really good fit um, because there's so much uh, correlation between those two companies, Apple and Disney. Um, so I think there's there's room for those partnerships and, and sponsorships that I, I don't really have any you know, issue with it because I think for the most part, a lot of them do fit and would make sense. And like I said, the Otterbox sponsorship is just the best sponsorship ever. I have no problem with it because I don't really think any of it is obnoxious and in your face. Even test track sponsored by Chevrolet, where you see the Chevrolet car parts. And then when you come off the attraction, you see all their, their gorgeous sports cars. That's not even that crazy obnoxious. I think as long as it's in good taste, and it meets all the, the pieces that you were just discussing, I think it's fine as well. Yeah, I, I don't have any issues with it because I, I don't think I don't think there's any sponsorship that I can think of that is really in your face and like you said, not tastefully done. Um, you know, I, I think they can definitely um, expand on some of the pon- sponsorships and, and like I said, if it helps get attractions, fixed and and things i mean splash mountain being sponsored by ziploc was all was kind of a that that's probably the furthest stretch but you got those cool little ziploc bags for your phone so you know in the end we got we got something that was kind of cool but um yeah no i'll give that a thumbs up i don't have any major um issues with that all right. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed our little uh, game rounds uh, edition of <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. And uh, next week, Jamie and I are still having a little bit of a, we'll call it a discussion because it's more polite than an argument over what we'll be discussing. So we're just going to have to table that and keep you on the edge of your seat waiting for the 28th episode of the Circus 71 podcast. If you have any feedback or if you'd like to just flat out tell Jamie to do what he's told, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can (laughs) message him on our Facebook page or via the Anchor app. Until then, we uh, hope you have a great week and we'll see you real soon.